Straight from the hip, straight from the heart, with Jim Chapman on 94.9 FM, CHRW. We have no money for a uh, theme song, so that's the theme song for Left, Right, and Center. Bob, Matt's Jeff Schlemmer in the studio. Nice to see you both again. Morning, Jim. Hi. Uh, we are here today, as uh, we are anytime the three of us get together, to take a look at issues of the day and, and try to bring to bear some different perspectives, perhaps in the hope of uh, enlightening or perhaps even confusing. Confusing and, confu- confusing and <laughs> confounding our enemies, I think. Uh, I'd like to start today with this uh, headline. In the London Free Press, uh, Tory support softens in polls. Uh, not so much what it says or the party that it talks about, but uh, uh, I don't know if the three of us have ever discussed this. I've talked to our listeners about this. That I'm, uh, I think I'm in a minority, but I, I really do not like election polls, particularly the last couple of weeks before the election. I think they distort the process. I think they, they may motivate people to do things they otherwise might not do. They might, uh, in, a, in a variety of good and bad things. I just think that, from my perspective, it would be a healthier political environment if, for at least the last couple of weeks before the election, all the politicians had to uh, had to go on uh, was gut feel and instinct. They couldn't respond to the changing ebb and flow of supposedly of public opinion and tailor their messages to, to suit that, which is exactly what they do, that instead they might take those two weeks simply to tell us who they are, what their parties stand for, and uh, what their plans are if they get elected, which I think is not what they do now. Um, they respond to these polls, to the ebb and flow, and I'm not at all convinced that's a good thing. Jeffrey, if, uh, if I were to propose that we ban these polls for the last couple of weeks before the election, what would your response be? Well, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. On the other hand, uh, to people who enjoy watching politics as a sport, it's like catching the scores every day, I guess, to see the little uh, nuances up and down. Uh, as far as whether it would make for a um, an election that elects better candidates, it probably would, I think, because uh, you see this uh, ramping up of intensity in, in the couple of weeks before the election. And, and you're right, it's uh, just a, one thing bouncing off the other. The, the poll comes out, the parties try to respond to that. They promise all kinds of things in the heat of the moment that probably they shouldn't if they were going to do it on sober reflection. And uh, so it doesn't probably add anything to the equation. The other thing is that if you have somebody who wants to vote for somebody just because they're ahead, uh, I don't know if that's such a good reason well, to be that's, voting. That, that's what I meant earlier. We influ- I think they influence people not necessarily in the best way. Yeah, yeah. And it's a strange thing to me. Like, I don't, personally, it would not interest me at all whether somebody's ahead or not. It's like, well, who cares? You have the person who you like or, or you don't. But it, there seems to be a lot of people who do like doing that for whatever reason. I don't see how it benefits them, but that's what they do. Bob, what do you think? You know, if, if I have any misgivings or anger at, at anybody or anything, it's not the polls and the pollsters. It's the people who vote according to polls and pollsters. Mm-hmm. And basically, I have an expression for them. I call them hammerheads. They vote for the biggest hammer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if if they're opposed to the liberals and they see the conservatives are getting a chance getting in, that's who they go with. If it was the NDP that they saw at defeating their the party they didn't like, they mm-hmm. vote for that party. Mm-hmm. So to that kind of voter, banning polls would be depriving them of the essential information on which they vote because they have no other information on which to vote. Perhaps then they'd stay <laughs> home and do us all a favor. Uh, <laughs> listen, I agree with you. I think everyone should vote on a principled basis, and which would mean you'd have a fairly consistent vote unless something absolutely horrible happened, you know, mm-hmm. to your party or t- totally switched direction or Well, and there like was that. a time in Canadian politics when that was much more the norm, too. 
I mean, you had uh, my mother's family was a liberal family, and that was it. They voted liberal. Everybody in the family voted liberal for 50 years because that's what you did. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, even within our party, we've been talking about the psychology of the voter, and we found out that, that looking at, especially Ontario voters, they insist on majority governments whenever they can get them. And, in fact, that's what I'm hearing out there now, mm-hmm. is people who want to see a majority government, mm-hmm. and that majority is what's important. So, they ha- so without knowing who's in the lead at a particular time, if you went for, say, eight weeks ago and tried to make a prediction that the polls would be where they are today, yeah. everybody would have told you you were crazy. But you know, aren't you sort of counteracting your own argument here, though? I mean, do we want, so you say people well, they want to have a majority, but the only way they can tell that that's a possibility or not is by going back to the polls, which you don't want them to do. Well, that's my personal preference. My own vote is, is, a, is a whole separate matter, but yeah. I'm just judging how I see voters vote and the information they need. Well, how Most different- of them don't understand policies. They don't really know what the leaders are about, but they do have a sense... Okay, I guess what you'd call a sense of, of, to use a very loose term, values that mm-hmm. each party basically represents. And that's really what people vote for. And if they see their values being, uh, how to put it, threatened or, you know, whatever by a particular party or movement, they'll naturally go the other way. But until that threat's there, um, they don't have anything to act on. I know that's an unfortunate state of affairs for, for the democratic process in many ways. Well, the, but, there's, but a simple, <laughs> there's a simple fix for it's it. It's a separate it's to, issue. No, no polls. Ban the polls. Two um, weeks well, I guess the other thing is like, there are some restrictions on advertising, I believe. Um, like, I believe they're not allowed to advertise on the day of the election. I think that's there's right. some yeah. kind the of a lawsuit day, going yeah. on over yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so the same thing, I guess, again, as to whether or not why is that the case, and is that a good thing or bad? Uh, coincidentally, it came uh, from uh, City Hall this morning where I was out to uh, to cheer on uh, Paul Martin coming through the doors, and uh, in City Hall, you're not allowed to have any political signs. I got the big heck because I went in to go to the bathroom, and I had my uh, my Sue Barnes uh, button on. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, he's got political advertising. It's interesting the way where we do draw the lines in some of these respects. It does occur to me, though, that uh, one thing polls may do is is stimulate enthusiasm for people to come out and vote, and one of our biggest problems in our most democracy seems to be the people who just don't vote. But you do, but do you want enthusiastic, ignorant voters? <laughs> is, is that a good combination? Well, I can never remember whether it's uh, is it Aristotle or, or Plato, well, one of the ones who hated democracy because they thought that the masses were, uh, you know, not to be trusted. But what's the alternative? <laughs> Unenthusiastic, ignorant voters? It's not, that's the only thing that the polls are going to get rid of is maybe that enthusiasm. They're not going to change the nature of the voter. Well, yes, but and, and, but how many people today, and, and I'm, a, I'm a big believer in this too, I think we should be mounting a serious campaign to get people to stay home on Monday. I think we should be trying to remind people that if they have not done the homework, if they don't know the issues, if they don't know the candidates, the backgrounds, the implications of the part of the positions. Stay the hell home. Forget this this responsibility to exercise your franchise. Your franchise is to be an informed citizen. Well, I think. I think not voting is part of that responsibility and franchise, and it's not just to stay home out of ignorance. You might stay home out of principle. You might stay home because none of the parties are offering what you want in principle. Well, uh, uh, my, my 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 problem with that, my concern with that, though, is somebody is going to win the election. Somebody has to run the country. So, well, in that case, are you doing the person are you, are you of both of principle and without any understanding mm-hmm. must therefore rely on the polls in, in terms of which way to go. Well, I For suppose example, one could I would argue. say right now that the only justify, in my way of thinking, the only justifiable ways of voting right now are either conservative or don't vote. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's basically the only two justifiable. But you have one. But but there. you have you have an option then. 
Well, yeah. You do have an option. Well, you have to have an option. So I would never force people to vote. No, no, but you, but, <laughs> no, 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 that's not, no, that's not I mean at all. But you, you were saying, you know, people who had no choice at all. Uh, In terms of their stay, options. Stay home, yeah. Them, yeah. If well, they felt that way. Yeah. I mean... Well, if I, I, see, I wouldn't if stop I see them three from doing or four parties moving in a direction opposite to which I want to go, I wouldn't vote for them. I'm giving them my sanction. Yeah, but see, I, the, we look at Australia now where you're compelled to vote, which I think is an absolute right. disaster. That means they don't have the right to vote. Well, basically, That's what yes. it means. Because yeah. the right to, to anything means you have the right to say no. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess one way of, of potentially putting a... a softer face on it or a more optimistic one is that possibly people who don't pay close attention figure well i'll just go along with what the people who are paying attention are doing and if i read a poll and it shows that most people seem to think so and so is the guy to go with well they've probably checked into it so i'll go along with the well, masses that, and, and you know that's an interesting that's an interesting position to take too because there may be a lot of truth in that see i, I see it as being the media is what affects the polls although surprising and in so a way that it changes it one step further should the media be allowed to say anything about the even a political campaign well, during the period of the campaign? A headline like this, for example, Tory support softens in polls. Is that a meaningful headline? Is that a useful headline? Well, Is what, it even true? Well, that's a question, because I believe that if you read the article, it shows it's only a couple of percentage points we're talking about. Yeah. So I think I, I fear that a lot of people do get their news from headlines. So if you read that headline, you would you would not understand at all that there's been a minor change that's well within the error, uh, you know, the, for the polling to start then with. You have, then you have the argument, though. Does that... Does that headline then hurt or help the, the Tories? It depends on, again, where you're coming from, it, it, what, what your strategy is in voting. It depends on who you're for, who you're against. Will that get, and it can sway those people both ways. Will that get voters who might have voted Tory but thought, well, I don't have to because they're in the lead now. I'm kind of going to be busy on Monday anyway. Might this get them to vote after all? Gosh, if, possible, if they're slipping, yeah. I better go vote. And then there's the opposite, you know, that uh, people who who don't want the Tories yeah. and they want the Liberals in there thinking the other way around. Yeah, say, oh, this, this election isn't over yet. Right. I better make sure I vote Liberal Absolutely. or NDP or some whatever. Some people are staying home who aren't voting Liberal who might otherwise have. We're going to pause for a second. You're listening to the Jim Chapman News Hour on 94.9 CHW. Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz with us today. When we come back, we're going to head south of the border for a major moral question that has some... Uh, political implications, big political and religious implications as well. We'll find out what that's all about right after this. This is 94.9 CHRW, your cure for corporate radio. And you're listening to the Jim Chapman News Hour, your cure for corporate news. You're listening to the Jim Chapman News Hour, the only London talk show with a money-back guarantee. Give us one hour of your time and we'll give you a whole day's food for thought. Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz with us today. Let's go south of the border for a topic that, while it took place in American locale, has some resonance for us here in Canada and certainly will in the future as our population continues to age. The people in the great state of Oregon have voted twice in favor of uh, legislation that would allow doctors to assist people to take their own lives. Assisted suicide, it's called. This is not um, state-sanctioned euthanasia. This is a situation where, within some very specific safeguards, um, you could go to your doctor if you were suffering from a terminal illness. You can't just go because you feel like it. If you're suffering from a terminal illness, and make arrangements with your doctor that when your suffering reached a particular level, uh, and in, in, indeed it might be mental suffering, uh, that your doctor would provide you with the requisite materials to allow you to exit this life gracefully and with some dignity. Twice the people of Oregon have voted in favor of that. Former U.S. Attorney General John Ashcroft uh, was opposed to this, very publicly opposed, not only on legal grounds, but on religious grounds. He felt that this 
was contrary to his religious beliefs and, he said, the religious beliefs of a great many Americans and therefore ought not to be allowed. And in his role as Attorney General, uh, he barred doctors from helping these patients. Um, the Death, Dignity, Death with Dignity Act was twice approved by Oregon voters, um, but he said in 2001 that uh, these doctors could not dispense the drugs that were inherently part of this, of, this, of this plan, of this scheme. They were not allowed to do that. The Supreme Court yesterday, by a ruling of 6 to 3, said that he had no such business doing that. He had no business doing that, that he did not have the authority to do it, moral or otherwise. And the implication, although, again, there were three dissenting justices, including Mr. Roberts, the new chief justice, uh, the implication was that uh, the inference was made, or the implication was made, and people inferred from it, that uh, this was a slap in the face of the religious right in the United States, saying to them, this is a religious, for you, it's a religious issue. It may be, but not for everyone. And this is the land of the free, home of the brave and the land of the free, and we do not want this kind of interference. Uh, I want to take that story and move it north of the border here a little bit. Or let's stay there. Well, we'll stay there for a moment or two. Um, I'll ask each, each of you gentlemen whether you have a particular position on this. Do you care about this case? Does it have any resonance for you? And if so, what do you think about, the, about Ashcroft's actions and the Supreme Court's response? And Bob, we'll start with you. Um, I don't think it's about religion. I think it's about choice. Um, and if you want to have religious freedom, you better be in favor of choice because the freedom you count on to practice your values is the very same freedom that the other guy who disagrees with you mm -hmm. counts on to practice his values. Uh, the principle in a free society is that when two groups disagree on an issue, uh, that they're free to go their separate ways and not forced to associate. That's the whole point of freedom of association. But, uh, you know, there, and then there's the sub-issues, the religious issues involved in passivity is what I call it. It's the passive approach, as though, you know, there, there seems to be I almost see much of religion being used as an excuse to avoid a moral decision, to avoid a responsibility. Um, you know, Explain that. What do you well, mean by that? I'm not going to take action. God will take action for me. You mm -hmm. know, therefore, my passive action is not considered a choice I made, mm -hmm. when in fact it is. Having knowledge of something and knowing the right or wrong of it or the wishes of the person who's dying and then acting not accordingly, I think is, is, should be, in that person's mind, should be morally wrong to do. But, again, that's my, my point of view mm -hmm. on the issue. And when I hear people saying, oh, I'm not going to take action because I'm going to let God take care of things, well, okay, that's passivity, and you're, you've made a moral decision. But Ashcroft was and anything that, but passive here. He was very active here and was very public about it, too, that it was not only a legal issue, it was, a, it was an issue of religious faith. Well, I disagree with him, and, of course, what he's saying then is I have a right to impose my religious faith upon the populace by way of law and, and that's, three that's three absurd. of the six three of the six uh, justices dissented although not necessarily from his religious argument it mm. was it was on what they felt were legal grounds well, well, i can understand there being uh, concerns on the other side safeguards that kind of thing but the overall view if you've got a right to life you've got, you know there's nothing there's no law against suicide you know doing it yourself mm -hmm. and to me if a person is terminally ill and an earlier death is what they want and what seems to be in the best interests of all um, I can't see any reason to object to it. Jeff, what about you? How, what do you make of this story? Well, uh, it's interesting in the sense that uh, 
there's a there's the um, there's a constitutional issue, and that is that I believe what the court said was that if the state wants to pass a law like this, the federal government can't thwart it mm-hmm. indirectly. In this case, uh, I believe that the attorney general was saying that uh, the doctors who would be needed, as you say, to administer the right drugs would be committing a federal crime if they did that. And uh, the judges said, listen, it's a state law. Keep your nose out of it. As far as assisted suicide generally, I think it's the way of the world because anybody who's been through uh, the death of somebody uh, through through a horrible illness will be, uh, I think, um, it would be very difficult for them not to say, if this person wants to end this, I understand that because it's just, you know, too horrible. And, and I recall... Um, the death of my of my two grandmothers and one uh, took place without uh, without any kind of um, I don't know I guess it was about 15 years ago and at that time she died uh, of cancer and, it, and they said that ultimately you end up dying of starvation it was just horrible terrible stuff and I recall when my other grandmother died about uh, I guess uh, six or seven years ago at that time she had an unlimited morphine drip and seemed to make things an awful lot easier going uh, and, and uh, to me that's certainly what I would want to have for myself so I think that as we get less tied up in the religious objections and so on that it would become to be more tolerated having said that uh, most politicians have not wanted to touch it with a barge pole Uh, we had Sven Robinson who did that with Sue Rodriguez Mm -hmm. several years ago and again nobody wanted to get involved it's like he announced that he was going to break the law and and invited the police to come and arrest him Mm -hmm. and nobody wanted to Um, so I think that those that that's the way the world having said that I'm reminded that I believe that is it Dr. Kevorkian who's in the states uh, in jail for life yes he is uh, in Michigan Uh, and so you really have to pick your states there are people who say that Kevorkian may eventually be a he may be the patron saint of uh, assisted suicide. That the history may look much more kindly on him than his contemporaries did. Well, I think so. And again, it, like he pushed the envelope a little further than uh, than it turned out. Well, he did some do. strange things too. Though. I mean, you know, picking people up in a van and you know injecting them in the back seat of a van and things like that. That I think probably had as much to do or more to do with his conviction than the actual It was almost like that backstreet abortion issue. You know? Exactly. That's the image you heard yeah. Yeah. you saw yeah. with yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I share this with you fellas, I, and I've told this story to our listeners before. Uh, last year, the year before, um, I asked this question of a group of people at dinner, and there was at least a dozen of us. I don't remember exactly how many, but at least a dozen. And all, all men and all more or less my age. And I asked them, and these people have varying backgrounds, religious, mm-hmm. socioeconomic, so on. I asked them if the situation arose where they were facing uh, an unpleasant death, whether they thought they should have the right to get some help, to, to take care of that. Um, I suspect that 20 or 30 years ago, the answer would have been different. But this time, every single one of them said, without hesitation, absolutely. Why then? And, and I expect that that is probably repeated across this country, uh, except in areas where people take exception to it based on their religious faith. But if you look at the numbers of people who profess a strong religious faith anymore, it's not that large a percentage of this country. Why do you think the politicians are so reluctant to deal with that? Because I think largely religion has had a monopoly on morality for so long, and it's difficult for people to think of morality outside the scope of religion. You know, and I, to me, I, I don't see religion as being an indication of a person's morality or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. I've seen very, what I would call immoral people who are who state that they're religious, but they're doing things I would never do on a moral basis. Mm-hmm. And I believe that within my lifetime, if you committed suicide, uh, you were not allowed to be buried in uh, on sanctified well, ground. Well, I believe that's still the case. Okay, I think so. In the Roman Catholic faith, anyway, I don't believe you're yeah. you're outside the churchyard. I, I think, as far as I know, that still applies. Yeah. Well, in, in within our lifetimes, it was a crime 
to try yeah, to suicide was a crime. Yes, That's right. They'd arrest oh, yeah. him, put you in jail. I was wondering what the penalty for that would <laughs> yeah. be. The yeah. ultimate penalty, <laughs> death, yeah, yeah, death penalty yeah. for yeah. Uh, I think people murder. are broadly getting more sensible about it. Well, Jeff, uh, we'll we'll leave you. We'll leave this with you to to to, uh, to investigate for us. But I believe that at some point in my distant past dealing with this issue, that I came across a statute somewhere in the deep dark past that that indeed was the case. That suicide was a capital crime. In your spare time, you know, sometime between now and next year, if you have the chance to look that up, yeah, it seems it to me that there was a time in, in, in England that that was the case, that suicide was a, was a capital crime because it was held to be an offense against God, and that was just a terrible thing to do. Was then. that never true in Canada? Um, it may have been. Well, it was a just, crime, for sure. I recall when I was a child that that was the case. So it, it was definitely against the law. It was yeah. the English experience yeah. I was being told but I don't know about. what the punishment was. Yeah. Anyway, it'd be interesting to find that. Yes. Out, oh, I know. So, uh, Bob, I'll back to you then. Do you think that uh, we will see uh, in the next few years, do you think we will see a movement towards legislation like this? Oregon, I, I think, is still the only state, or there may be one other state, uh, that has doctor-assisted suicide. And again, I want to make it clear, make the distinction, this is not euthanasia. This is not, uh, this is not the doctor stepping in because the doctor thinks it's the thing to do. This is a prearranged uh, decision that's arrived at with the doctor, the patient, and in many cases the patient's family as well. Do you think we're moving in that direction? I think we have been. I think it's been practiced uh, unofficially for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my mother has, uh, it's almost a hobby of hers, pardon the word in that sense, she waits a lot of deathbed vigils with family and mm-hmm. friends, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's not an active thing, but they might decide, well, okay, we're not going to give them this anymore mm-hmm. but but jeff's right it turns out to be a process of starvation especially in uh, cancer cases and things like that i think one of the great tragedies of this of of that kind of a death and and i've talked to doctor friends of mine who say that who lament the fact that there are some families who simply cannot let go and will insist on every measure being applied every heroic uh, well, that's a- extreme and and get quite incensed if the doctors are in their eyes insensitive enough to say, you know, really, there's no point in doing anything else. Mm-hmm. It, and if it causes suffering on the part of the, the well, exactly. patient, um, that's a tragic uh, demonstration of, you know, just uh, um, emotionalism. And it, creates, very it, does, in a it way. creates for some doctors uh, uh, um, an ethical problem, too, because they know that prolonging treatment is creating, mm-hmm. you know, they are doing harm, which they are, they are called not to do, and yet the families in some situations will, you know, fight them tooth and nail to make sure they do that. It's a tough spot to be in. Well, it's interesting that this wasn't a close call, a 63 decision, too, that uh, even in the United States where we think of there being a much higher sensitivity to fundamental Christian uh, values, that again, this really wasn't a toughie, and, and you sort of follow the United States about uh, Supreme Court balance, you know, where are they on uh, mm-hmm. left and right and all that stuff, and this appears not to have been one of those swing cases. Uh, this is Left, Right, and Center with uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer and uh, Jim Chapman, and we will pause for these important messages. We want to remind you, if you're uh, enjoying the program today and you'd like to hear it again, you can do so by going to jimchapman.ca to our website, click on radio, and our archive is available for you there. Uh, also available is an archive of our Rogers Television programs, too. Thanks to uh, to Brian Spencer and our good friends at uh, Digital Media, and we appreciate their good work to uh, bring that to you. So check it out. It's uh, all available waiting for you at jimchapman.ca, and we're waiting for you here at 94.9 CHRW. We'll be back right after this. And we're back. Are we back? We're back. We're having so much fun here, we didn't even see the time ticking. Uh, Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer with us. Today, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't at least draw some attention to what's happening on Monday. We are having a federal election, uh, the, the polls notwithstanding. Uh, Bob, what do, what do you think? Are you prepared to make a prediction for Monday? 
Oh, you know, I went on record before the election, even before it was the writ was dropped, and I predicted either a liberal majority or a conservative minority. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, and I know that sounds like uh, fence sitting in the worst <laughs> way, but that was the way the mood was going. You yeah. could you could really feel it. Mm-hmm. If 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 if, you, if those people we talked about earlier, the hammerheads, came out and actually said, "We want a majority government in there." Um, I kind of thought it might swing to Martin if he had even played his cards right, but he played every card wrong this mm-hmm. election. Mm-hmm. Uh, waited for three weeks to get out of the starting gate, really. Um, every ad that the, the the Liberals have been running is, to me, a negative ad against them. Oh, good ad. To, I, I mentioned the, the newest one last night, though, was saying, you know, we've made some mistakes, but... <laughs> that was oh, pretty well, good ad, though. Uh, pretty good ad. Yeah, that's a good time to bring it up, well, like four days yeah. before the election. <laughs> I can count on a guy like that, eh? <laughs> Jeff, what about you? Are you prepared to predict? Well, I, I think we're probably going to have a conservative minority government. Uh, we'll we'll see what that's like. I guess uh, uh, that the real sixty four thousand dollar question for me is whether Stephen Harper really has evolved as he says that he has, um, because from everything I'd always heard from the guy, he he was a neoconservative and proud of the fact that he wouldn't compromise his his principles. Um, now he says he's moderate and uh, you know he's going to outspend the liberals on on uh, daycare and all these things. So we'll see. But it's all it's all good theater. So you think uh, you're saying the entire minority? And Bob, I never really got a clear answer to where you think we are today. You said what you predicted. I'm still in. I'm still in the conservative minority camp. Um, there are some other issues. It's the way the vote splits all the time. You yeah. can count the votes. Eh? Mm-hmm. You can see the popular vote, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to split that way. Yeah. Depending on how the other parties are there, Toronto is a big factor. Well, it is. And Ontario. if you look, if the number you would think the numbers, the percentages. If you didn't understand how they worked, you'd look at the percentages for the Tories and say, well, obviously they're going to have a majority if they if everybody voted the way they did today but we know that that right. isn't necessarily the yeah. case so that's a, that's really you're asking me to, to predict the role of the dice so i'm going for sevens <laughs> <laughs> well, box cars has always been yeah. my favorite uh, i've said all along that i i thought it would be a liberal minority and i'm still i'm still not prepared entirely prepared to abandon that although and i've made it quite clear that would not be my preference uh i still think that they're the hidden agenda thing may be lurking in the minds of just enough Canadians that when the chips are down, uh, they go into that booth and go, God, I don't want to, but I'm going to vote Liberal. They'll grit their teeth and do it. Now, I'm, I don't know, and I hope they don't. I don't think it'll be good for the country, and I don't politics. think it's good for the Liberal Party either. Okay. I don't think it's good for the party. I think they, no, I think they need right. a refreshment. They need a chance to, to restructure and rebuild themselves. Uh, but we'll see what happens on Monday. We've got two votes for a Tory minority, and we've got one... You know, Jim, I, I wouldn't bet of, money on it, but I'm saying liberal. I think a lot of liberals might even agree with what you just said. Yeah. You know, I've well, heard some of them talking about house cleaning and, you know, okay, let's take a breath. We'll, you know, a lot of the liberals uh, I know are saying that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mr. Harper says that the courts will keep a lid on it all anyway. So. Well, do you think he's right? You're a lawyer. I know. I don't, you don't think so? Well, I hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah. I hope that it would be very rare that the courts would have to strike down something. I, this whole thing about this free vote and then passing legislation knowing that it's going to be struck down just seems like a waste of time to me. Here we go. On that note which I think is an E, uh, we'll say thank you to Bob and uh, Jeff for joining us today. We'll remind you that tomorrow we're going to take a look at uh, some of the other parties that are running. And we'll do that at 11 right here on 94.9 CHRW. Thank you for being part of the Jim Chapman News Hour today. Always a pleasure to be with you. And thanks to Kyle for flying the plane, doing a great job as always. This is Jim saying please take care of each other, mind how you go, and God bless. Bye-bye.